Welcome to the Temple Baptist Church Podcast, coming to you from Swan River, Manitoba, Canada. This week, we join guest speaker Vlad Makiev from Little Woody Baptist Church, who will speak on Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 to 15, with this message, Common Men, Uncommon Calling. So will you please turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10, uh, and this morning we're studying the first uh, 15 verses. Gospel of Matthew chapter 10, uh, the first uh, 15 verses. But before we go into this text, I just would like to remind you the context of what we're dealing with this morning. In the previous chapter, in chapter 9, verses uh, 36 uh, through the end of this chapter, let me just... uh, Uh, read them, chapter 9, starting with verse 36, just to give us an idea what Jesus uh, was doing that night and how he selected, how he chose those 12 apostles. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So his disciples, apparently, they were there. They were able to hear the words of the Lord about the harvest, about the need for the workers to be sent into that harvest. And what did Jesus do next? He went, and as he always did, in many cases he did so, he found a place of solitude. That's where he spent hours and hours, in many cases, all nights uh, long in communication and direct fellowship with God the Father. He was praying. He spent the whole night praying for that small group of disciples who would become known to the world as apostles of Christ to be chosen. That's a very good practice for us before we're making any important decision in life. Before we go into chapter 10, let me just not discourage you. I hope that this piece of information or statistics will just uh, call us into some action, at least into some prayer, into some steps of practical ministry. Recently, I read on CBC Canada website, we don't have a television at home. It's not that just we cannot catch a signal in Little Woody. We just decide, okay, internet is good enough. You can watch everything there. So we read on CBC website, just recently that uh, some secular analysis, uh, they made a research across Canada and they came to the conclusion that within 10 years, one third of beautiful church buildings will be shut down across Canada, across all the provinces. Within 10 years, one third of beautiful church buildings will be shut down because nobody's there. Nobody to lead this service, nobody to preach God's word, nobody to give him the praises and honor and worship and stuff like that. And as, as I was reading that uh, article, I was just questioning myself, are you all right? I mean, are you, are you just joking about Christianity, about the weakness of Christianity in Canada? What's going on? And that secular kind of analy- analysis, he was kind of, uh, I sense something spiritually grave, not dark in that article. And I share that info with our congregation in Little Woody. We're a small uh, flock of God's children, and they told me, you know, Vlad, that uh, secular journalist or reporter might be right. 
Churches are being shut down across Canada. And our beautiful Swan Valley, our community is not an exception. If you look around, there might be 25, 27 buildings, uh, church buildings in Swan Valley, Manitoba. And how many of them are filled up on Sundays? How many are half filled up? How many one-third filled up? And so many buildings are just empty. They look like uh, ghost towns. Almost, But we should not be discouraged because uh, the Lord Jesus Christ himself said in Matthew chapter 16, remember his words, that I will build my church and even the gates of hates will never overcome it. Never overcome it. If the church is not growing, say numbers wise, for a while here, it means that the church is actively and dynamically growing in other parts of the world. If you go to Cuba, it's growing there. If you go to China, it's growing there. If you go to North Korea, it's growing there. Underground, illegal church. If you go to the places where Christianity is heavily persecuted, it's growing. Now we're in chapter 10, uh, the first uh, 15 verses. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, Raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts, or a bag for your journey, or even two coats or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worthy of his support. And whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it, and stay at his house until you leave that city." As you enter the house, give it your greeting. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if it is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. Whoever does not receive you, nor heed your words, as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Let me try this uh, Miracle of modern uh, technology, this clicker. I hope it's working in your church building. Uh, actually, it's having a good uh, laser pointer. And if somebody's just fallen asleep, uh, then I'll try to use it. And then you'll have to see the optometrist in town. And whenever you go there, you just support local businesses, paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a good uh, pair of glasses. You know what I'm talking about. So let's see, I'm trying, yeah, it's working on the ceiling. Okay, that's good. The title of the message, uh, let's see, is it coming? Oh, uh, let's see. Yes, common man and uncommon calling. So we're talking uh, this morning about the small group of 12 people, common male men with very uncommon calling. Jesus Christ did not only heal the sick, he also preached 
and taught. He could not do the work alone. He needed others to help him. He was God in human flesh. He was God incarnate, but he could not be at the same time at all different places. He needed some assistance. And the work of salvation, let's see. Uh, yes, it's going. The work of salvation can be accomplished only by Christ, but he did it, and he did it alone. But the witness, the witness of his salvation could be accomplished by his people, those who have trusted him and have been saved. And the king needed ambassadors to carry the message, and he still needs them. That's why Jesus Christ started bringing his message to the world through the small group of disciples. And that group uh, just was growing and growing and God's churches were planted across the world. In the book of Isaiah, in chapter six, verse eight, uh, we read in the book of Isaiah, mm -hmm, uh, chapter six, verse, verse eight, whom shall I send and who will go for us? That was a question from God. Triune God, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And often whenever we hear this question, we're trying to say, yes, Lord, yes, please send him or send her. He or she is ready to go, but leave me alone. I'm just enjoying my life and just, I'm doing good. I'll be praying for the mission. I'll be praying for the ministry. Or I may, might be given to the ministry, but leave me where I am. It is not enough that we pray for the laborers, as we have already read this morning in Matthew 9. We must make ourselves available to serve the Lord. We must make ourselves available. We must include ourselves. You know, Lord, maybe it's a mission field for me, not for my neighbor, not for my relative, not for my friend, but for me as well. Before Jesus sent his ambassadors out to minister, he preached an ordination sermon to encourage and prepare them. And this is Matthew chapter 10. In this chapter 10, Jesus had something to say to all his servants, past, present, and future ones. In our text this morning, we find the Lord calling his 12 disciples. He had previously chosen them, but now he calls them to a specific, special evangelistic mission to the nation of Israel, to Israel first. So point number one, just would like to focus your attention uh, it's, it looks like as if I'm just shooting at my neighbor, uh, George Orbelin, with us. Sorry, George. I know that we cannot avoid you. In fact, my boys they always want to see your tractors and combines and Brandon and George. They know your names. So point number one, the apostles were sovereignly chosen by the Lord. They were sovereignly chosen by Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ did not call the pastoral search committee or the apostolic search committee or the apostolic nomination committee. He spent the night in prayer to God the Father. He spent the whole night consulting and talking to God the Father. So let me read that verse one again. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Jesus, God himself, summoned his 12 disciples. It is encouraging to realize that Jesus did not call those 12 disciples who became apostles on the basis of their worthiness or personal capabilities or 
their appearance or clothing or degrees or theological degrees, uh, but solely on the basis of what he could have made of them by his own power working through them. A disciple, this word means somebody who is a learner, a student, one who follows a teacher and learns his wisdom. Jesus had many disciples. Some of them were mini, just were merely hands on, and some were truly, and some were truly converted. Actually, in John chapter six, verse uh, sixty-six. Let me just read that verse real quick. Gospel of John six, uh, sixty-six. It's easy to remember that uh, passage. John six, uh, sixty-six. One of the saddest verses in the Bible. Seriously, John six, sixty-six. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Many of his disciples withdrew. They backed up and they stopped walking with Jesus. Why? Because previously he had been teaching them. He had been expecting them. He was expecting commitment. He was expecting the life of sacrifice from them. And not many of them were willing to do that and to go in that direction. From this large crowd of followers, Jesus selected a smaller group of 12 men, and these he called apostles. Apostello from the Greek language means to send forth with a commission. To send forth with a commission. Can anyone be an apostle of Christ like those 12 men? Let me ask you this question, and everyone is welcome to participate. Can anyone be an apostle of Christ like those 12 men? Anybody has an answer? Like those 12? Nowadays, like in the valley, if you just all of a sudden wake up and you just announce to the old community, Christian community, well, I'm like those 12. My name is... George, my name is Kevin, my name is Brian, I'm like those 12. I'm the apostle of Jesus Christ. Can anybody or anyone, anybody has an answer before I go? Can anyone be an apostle of Christ like those 12 nowadays? Like those 12. Okay, while you're thinking, I have to use probably my laser pointer if I ask uh, yeah, the question next time. You, you, you have to give an answer. A man had to meet certain qualifications to be an apostle of Jesus Christ in the scripture. It's written there. He must have seen the reason Christ. 1 Corinthians 9, 1. 1 Corinthians 9, 1. He must have seen the reason Christ. Which of you has seen the reason Christ? after his resurrection, when he appeared. Did he appear to you last week? Just after the resurrection. Another qualification, and fellowshiped with the Lord Jesus. Acts 1, 21, 22. Fellowshiped. Like, was able to see him in visual form, like physically. He had to be chosen by the Lord, Ephesians 4, 11. The apostles laid the foundation of the church, Ephesians 2, 20, and then passed from the scene. They laid the foundation of the church. How many times did they lay the foundation? One time. They laid the foundation of Christ's church one time. And on that foundation, the church started growing and being built up by the Lord with the walls and everything. So, 
Whenever you see somebody who says, who claims to be the apostle of Jesus Christ, like those 12, please read those, uh, at least Bible verses for that person and just have a good conversation. Well, all believers, now, all believers are sent forth to represent the King Jesus, John 17, 18, John 20, 21. No believer today can honestly claim to be like those 12. For none of us has seen the risen Christ. For none of us has seen the risen Christ like those 12 did. These 12 men were sovereignly, 11 actually, chosen by Jesus Christ. The gospel writer Mark tells us that Jesus summoned those whom he wanted. Mark 3.13, he summoned those whom he wanted. And near the end of his public ministry, Jesus reminded them, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Jesus' only consultation was with his heavenly Father. Like Abraham, Moses, David, Isaiah, and all the prophets of the Old Testament, the 12 disciples were chosen by God's sovereign will and for his sovereign purposes being ordained to this ministry and before the foundation of the world. That has been always God's way. God divinely chose Israel, the prophets, and his apostles. And in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, and 20, 28 in Acts, clearly teach us that the Holy Spirit sovereignly places man in leadership of the church. Remember how it happened in the church of Antioch in chapter 13. As they were ministering to the Lord by praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit told them, told the church elders, set apart Paul and Barnabas and send them out to Gentiles. As they were ministering to the Lord by praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit clearly, they heard it, told them, this guy and this guy. And they were not the worst ones in that congregation to go. Actually, they were probably the best ones. And the church told to this Holy Spirit, okay, this one, this one will bless them and they will go. So point number two, they were sovereignly chosen. Uh, oh, let's see. Probably I need to wave my hand doing something like that. The 12 were given the authority and power from Christ in, in the same verse, in verse one, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Just to encourage us, again, some other stats. You might think, oh, this Pastor Vlad, he just read newspapers and he's on the internet just 24-7. No, but remember, I don't have a television and I don't have newspapers. I just only read grassroots from a beautiful giant tiger store. So, another thing, that's what I read. And I, that kind of discouraged me for five minutes. Every second permanent resident living in Canada potentially is exposed to any kind of cancer. Every second. Look at our beautiful congregation. Nice looking guys and beautiful ladies. Every second is potentially exposed to any kind of cancer. Does it sound discouraging? It does. Every second. Whether citizen or permanent resident, everybody who lives in Canada on a permanent basis, more or less, every second. I was like, wow. Half of population. But Jesus Christ, way back then, when he selected, chose that small group of 12, he gave them so much authority, so much power, over any disease, every kind of sickness, even power over death, even power in the spiritual realm over evil spirits, over demons. These apostles were given, uh, 
were given special power and authority from Christ to perform miracles. These miracles were a part of the official credentials, and we're not reading those references, no worries. Acts 2.43, Acts 5.12, 2 Corinthians 12.12, Hebrews 2.1-4, the apostles healed the sick, cast out demons, and even raised the dead. You know what? Often we can hear this question as, say, Bible-believing evangelical Christians or Baptists. Whenever people just approach us, they can ask us this question. Maybe you have the answer. Why don't we have several men and women in Swan Valley who are clearly blessed by the Lord to have the gift of healing? Like we have a list. Like it's in the paper. It's in Stein Times or Winnipeg Free Press on the website. You can just call, you can arrange a meeting with a brother or sister with a gift of healing. Consistent gift of healing, which has been practiced and demonstrated for several months and years. Do you know the name? Give us those names with a gift of healing. Like if somebody has a cancer, if somebody has a TB, if somebody has HIV, we'll just call that person, we'll send that person for healing. Give us the names. That's, that's how people kind of uh, start this conversation. But those 12, at least for that period of time, they were clearly blessed with so much power and authority that came directly from Christ. These three ministries paralleled the ministries that Jesus Christ himself performed in Matthew chapters 8 and 9. In a definite way, the apostles represented the king and extended his work. How specifically were the 12 chosen by Jesus? Well, point number three. As I have mentioned before, they were they were chosen after prayer. The men were Christ's choice, and his choice was his father's choice. Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. He chose these 12 because they were his father's choice and the father's gift to the son. John 17, 6. The 12 very special men, not because of who they were in themselves, but because they had been sovereignly chosen by God the Father to be disciples of God the Son. That was their uniqueness. They were chosen by God. They were chosen after prayer. Point number four. Why were they chosen? Uh, the twelve were chosen to be prepared for the special mission. In verses 5 through 8, let's read those verses again. For a special mission. They were not chosen for a good retirement, but they were chosen by Christ to do something. These 12, Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As, and as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. If you notice, friends, some discrepancies with your Bible translation, I have to use either ESV, English Standard Version, or NASB, New American Standard Bible Translation, because English is not my birth language. I'm sorry, but I was born uh, gibber with uh, Slavic gibberish. It was not English, it was not German. That's why I use uh, the real English uh, language translations. I'm not King James only guy, as you can see and as you can hear. I don't speak that language. I never told my wife I love thee. I really appreciated thine breakfast. It sounds like it's like from another century. 
So the 12 were chosen to be prepared for the special mission. The disciples left their nets, they left their cases and John Deere's, they left their tax collecting booths and their other businesses, and for three years they walked with Jesus, watching, listening, learning, and often misunderstanding. Remember, there were people like us. They often had those questions. Lord, why so? I mean, this is crazy. We can't understand it. What's going on? Jesus knew they needed to be taught and trained. They had to be trained before they could be sent. I would assume that none of us ever wanted to be operated on by an untrained surgeon. Or whenever you're on the table in the beautiful, I like this English expression, theater room. Theater room, like as if it's a show. Total hip replacement, what a beautiful show. And uh, can you imagine, or you board a plane where Vlad, Pastor Little Woody, is a pilot. I have no idea even how to sit in that, uh, on, the, on the plane. That would be an experience, the flight of faith. If you go to, to just for a surgery and say your surgeon would be somebody else who had no idea, nothing about medical care and medicine, that would be something like that. That's therefore, even Jesus Christ, he picked up those men to be trained, to be equipped for that specific mission. So, also, those 12 men, they were chosen to be sent, as we have already read in verses five through eight. The 12 were not just uh, sovereignly chosen, chosen with prayer or after prayer, and chosen for training, but they were also chosen to be sent. The disciples, those who learn, were trained to become apostles, those who are sent. They were specifically sent by the Lord Jesus at that time to Israel, to the Jews, later on, after receiving the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, they would be sent out to the ends of the earth, including Canada and beyond. So now, let me just spend some, let me just first ch uh, check, some of you started closing your eyes. Remember, I have the laser pointer, and I can reach you. And then, I'm not paying your insurance, you'll have to buy new glasses for yourself. So some, some information, because it's, it's needy, about the names, about the personalities of those 12 apostles. In verses two, and four, two through four, we're given the names of the 12. I'm not asking you just to raise your hand and give us all 12 names. That's a good exercise. You can practice at home. Simon Peter had the right raw material from which Jesus could mold the sort of leader he intended Peter to be. Peter was a big beginning. He had a potential. Peter always wanted to know the what, when, where, and why of everything the Lord said and did. Remember, you might have such of those men in your congregation for sure. Just ask them. No, don't ask them. They know what to say and what to do. So we have those as everybody else. So that's about Simon Peter. Along with Peter, these three men, that inner closest circle of disciples, Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, composed Jesus' inner circle of four. Like Peter, they do not appear on the surface to be ideal candidates for becoming apostles and the foundation of the church. Andrew was Peter's brother, and his name means manly, like a real guy. He was also a fisherman and was a godly and dedicated Jew. So they had the 
common business. The third man named in Matthew's list of the first four disciples is James, the son of Zebedee. In the gospel accounts, James never appears apart from his brother John. They mentioned together. And during the three years of training under Jesus, they were inseparable. The last disciple mentioned in the first group of four is John, the brother of James, one of the most prominent disciples in the New Testament. He wrote the gospel of John. He wrote first, second, and third epistles of John. And he also wrote the book of Genesis. No, just check it. Deuteronomy. He also wrote the book of Revelation. Some sources suggest that those who knew him remember John's constant praise on his lips. My little children love one another. My little children love one another. My little children love one another. And in 1 John chapter 3, 11, 14, 4, 7, 11, 20, 21, like the first epistle of John is just filled with this message of love. God's children love one another. These four men, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, were ordinary temperaments, strengths, and weaknesses, and ordinary struggles. They were like us. Yet in the power of Christ, they were transformed into men that turned the world upside down. That was the most powerful statehood in those days, Roman Empire. Roman legends, they were famous worldwide. And they just turned the world upside down in the power of Jesus Christ. The fishermen of Galilee became the fishes of man on a vast scale. And in God's power, they brought thousands of souls into the church and played a vital part in the salvations of millions more. Through the testimony of their writings, those fishermen are still casting nets into the sea of mankind and bringing multitudes into the kingdom. Tells, before just telling something about Judas Iscariot, I'm not just spending much time on others, just let me say that little is known, if anything, about some other apostles of Christ. Very little, just their names. For the sake of time, let me focus your attention on one more disciple who stands out in the small group of 12. His name was Judas Iscariot. By the way, my dear ones in the Lord, do you have a brother, a kid in your Sunday school with the name Judas Iscariot? Do you have such a man? Why don't you? Who would like to give uh, such a beautiful name to your son or your grandson? Judas Iscariot. Can you imagine? It is the least popular name among Christians, at least it's the least popular name among anybody in this world. So he became the tragic epitome of human disaster. He is the most wicked man in the scripture. For 2000 years, the name Judas Iscariot has been a byword for treachery. In Dante's Inferno, Dante was an Italian poet who lived in the 14th century, and his famous poem consisted of three parts, Inferno, Purgatorio, and Paradiso. I hope you understood those three words. In Dante's Inferno, Judas occupies the lowest level of hell, which he, he shares with Lucifer, Satan himself. What can be said about this Judas Iscariot? Although our finite mind cannot understand it, God had predestined the betrayal, and at the same time, Judas was held fully responsible for, for the betrayal because it was his own choice. Remember what was his ministry about? For three years, he was filling his pockets out of the church treasury box. 
He was just filling his pockets. Someone once uh, wrote about Judas. I did not find the name who just, uh, still as of old, man by himself is priced. For 30 pieces of silver, Judas sold himself, not Christ. Very well said. So today we have discovered, at least in those verses, first uh, verses, how the Lord Jesus Christ chose his 12 disciples who became his apostles. And um, just for the sake of time, let me just focus your attention on the strategy and how they were expected by the Lord to do that ministry. So in verses, uh, verses 9 through, through 11, let me just read those verses. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts or a bag for your journey or even two coats or sandals or a staff for the worker is worthy of his support. Here, Jesus is basically telling, teaching his disciples, do not charge money for the healings because the temptation is right there. If you have the gifts of healing, if you can cure any disease, boy, you'll be just flooded by multitudes of people. Like everybody will come, okay, and they will be paying you. And you'll be like, wow, you don't need to ride your combine and tractor anymore. Somebody else will be driving it for you. So you'll be just rich. And Jesus just told them right away, do not charge because freely receive, freely give. Just be content with your basic support for your basic uh, life needs. Verse 11, and whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it and stay at his house until you leave that city. So basically, I read different interpretations of this verse. Jesus is telling them that whenever you come to a settlement, to a town, find out a family of good or good morals, a good reputation in the community. Just find a nice prominent household and you stay there. Or other commentators say, saying that they might have been already disciples of Jesus Christ, but we don't know for sure. It's not clear from that verse. Verse 12, as you enter the house, give it your greeting. And what was the traditional Jewish greeting? Was it good morning, good afternoon, good evening? What was it? It was shalom. It was God's peace. Whenever you enter somebody's uh, household, that's what was you expected to say. Peace be unto this place. So shalom from God to this place. So if the house is worthy, Verse 13, give it your blessing of peace. But if it is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. Whoever does not receive you, nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust uh, off your feet. You know what? It was common in Israel. I don't know. I'm not sure how about nowadays. But when they returned to Israel, to the land of promise from pagan lands, they were just shaking their feet of the, even of the dust of pagan lands. That was very customary thing uh, for Jews to do. It was a very symbolic act, like saying, I'm back home in the land of promise. I'm in the God's land. And it was something symbolic in Jesus' words uh, to his disciples. It was like, okay, you refuse the gospel. You refuse the good news of Jesus. Okay, you guys are on your own. You're under condemnation. And finally, verse 15, true I say to you, it will be more toler tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. A question before we come to the conclusion. Is Canada, is this nation accepting 
receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ nowadays? Are, are people excited about hearing the gospel? Are people excited about reading the scripture, hearing the scripture? Are they getting excited? You probably have tried it many times to bear witness about Christ to your colleagues at work, to your neighbors, to your relatives, maybe to members of your own family. And not many times they, they just went, yeah, Jesus, I wanted to believe in you. Yeah, hallelujah. Unfortunately, in so many cases, people are or have rejected the message of Jesus Christ. As a conclusion, um, number one, the 12 was sovereignly chosen by God. It was God's choice. It was the choice of God the Father and choice of God the Son. Uh, number two, the 12 were given authority and power from God directly. They received that power. They received that authority from God. Number three, the 12 were chosen after Jesus' prayer to the Father. Whenever you come to the point of making a very important decision in your life, pray. I remember between two choices, uh, when we already said uh, to the church board and to the congregation Little Woody, it was probably... Uh, Oh, February of 2013, uh, we said, okay, we're moving to Canada as a family. We'll be serving the Lord together with you guys. Then I got another kind of invitation from the church in Minnesota, 150 miles away from Minneapolis. Big airport, you can fly even to another planet out of Minneapolis. And uh, the church bigger, just by Lake, uh, by Lake Miniwaska. Oh, I'm telling you my secret, whenever you drive from Minnesota. Uh, there's a Baptist church there, bigger church, uh, bigger budgets and things like that. Uh, nice parsonage, I'm not saying necessarily better parsonage than Little Woody Parsonage. But okay, two choices. Boy, we prayed, we cried as a family. We even cast lots, sorry, like in the Old Testament times. And little Woody barely beat uh, that place in, Mini in Minnesota, three to two. It was like, wow, Stanley Cup final. And, uh, and still, even after that family prayer, we cried and prayed again. It is, a, it is a very painful process. But Jesus, God in human flesh, he always found time for a prayer, for the intimate fellowship with God the Father. Being God himself, he always cherished prayer. Number four, um, the 12 were chosen to be prepared for the special mission. There was something special. You are going to the lost sheep of Israel first. I gave you my authority. I gave you my power. So guys, go. Don't stay here. Go. And finally, the 12, not finally, the 12 were chosen to be sent, not to stay in the same spot. And if you remember, my dear ones in the Lord, in the book of Acts, when the church grew to big crowds in Jerusalem, remember one day, one sermon, one preaching, 3,000 souls repented of their sins and they, believed in the Lord, and they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. One day. Nowadays, people say you need to deliver 3,000 sermons for one person to believe. It's the other way around in some places in this world. But then they probably started feeling comfortable. Wow, big church, like thousands of people, and wow. And the Lord God let the persecution started. Remember? And they had to run. They had to flee from Jerusalem to different parts of Judea, Samaria, and further and further around the world. So, the Great Commission of Christ, do I have it? No, I just, oh, 
No, I kept it only for little woody folks. I'm sorry. The Great Commission of Christ is for all believers. We are Christ's ambassadors in our communities and beyond. The Lord has given us His Holy Spirit, His Word, to go and bear witness about Him. Are we doing this? Ask yourself sincerely this question. And let me just finish uh, reading that verse from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Actually, it's a good verse for our memorization. Acts 1, 8. Maybe somebody can just quote it for us. Okay, I'll read it. Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Just taken into our local context, we can say, if we paraphrase, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and every true child of God has already received the Holy Spirit. We are sealed, our hearts are sealed with the Spirit of Christ, if we believe, if we're truly converted. And you will become my witnesses both in Swan River, Little Woody, Big Woody, Bozeman, Benito, Ranver, Cowan, Duck Bay, Birch River, Mafeking, Barrows, and in all Manitoba, and Saskatchewan, and Canada, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Our Judea is here. Our Samaria is not far away. Just look into Saskatchewan. I'm sorry if you're from Saskatchewan. <laughs> and um, the entire world, nowadays you can bear witness about Christ. Just press your beautiful key, uh, keypad on your computer and you can witness, you can send a text, you can send an email. If you're familiar with a Snapchat, it's unbelievable, it's crazy. We, ha we have to remind our girls, all the kids, just to turn off all the gadgets, otherwise all night long something is coming. Bam, 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 and you can hear those sounds like somebody's texting, sending a photo from Kingston, Ontario. I mean, why 3 a.m.? Who's going to watch it? If you're having fun there, that's fine with you, but there's a time difference. Anyways, remember those lessons, how Jesus Christ has picked up his man to do the service of the kingdom. Remember that, keep in your minds, and just be ready. If the Lord God has chosen you to go, if the Lord God has equipped you to go, do not sit just in one spot. I'm not telling you just to leave this beautiful building next Sunday, nobody, or just retired people here, because retired people, they kind of, or farmers are here, because how can you stop being a farmer? I remember George's dad, and I remember uh, once the statement of uh, Eddie Orbling. No, I won't tell you, because, no, no, no. Let's finish with a prayer. But it's something about farmers. But I'm living in the farming community. I know. Just to finish it off uh, on a serious note, half serious. In a small community, I was standing in our beautiful, most beautiful extra foods with high prices ever, extra foods in Swan. And I was standing in front of that stand of magazines, you know, where it is, magazines. And somebody told my wife, oh, we've seen your husband. He's standing just staring and looking through one magazine. And my wife was like, uh-oh. She asked, she told me later on, which magazine is he looking through? And the lady told, oh, it was National Geographic. And I was like, Phew. <laughs> 
Yeah, national, my husband loves history and geography, let him enjoy National Geographic, whatever. It's a small community, so we need uh, to be watchful. Yeah, people are like watching over our backs what we're looking at, I mean, what we're reading, it's unbelievable. Hopefully the lady did not remember the month or the issue of that National Geographic or the article and stuff like that. But anyways, let's uh, pray and give God the glory. Yes, Father God, again, thank you for the Lord and Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your strategy, for picking up those 12 men. They were ordinary men, like us. In fact, one of them became a terrible traitor, betrayer. But Lord, you picked them up, you equipped them, you blessed them, you gave them all your authority to do your work. And Lord, this strategy of yours is still valid. It's still here in this world. It's a call for your church, not just to sit on the same spot, but just go, go and go, telling the world that Jesus is alive, that he is risen, and the tomb in Jerusalem is empty. And Lord Jesus, you're coming back soon. Every day, your second coming is getting nearer, nearer, and nearer. And there are so many people who are not saved around us, our neighbors. Among 10,000 residents of Swan Valley, how many people are born from above? How many people are on the way to heaven and not hell? Not many. And immigrants are coming to Canada, thousands and thousands and thousands of them. Lord, please open our spiritual eyes to see whom we can tell about you and whom we can show and demonstrate your love in the most practical ways. Not just by words, but by words and actions as your servants, as your apostles. Because in that, sense, in that sense, we're all your missionaries, we're all your apostles of Jesus Christ. We all can and should go and tell the world about you. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask and pray for this. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope we were able to provide wisdom and insight in your faith journey. If you would like to connect with us, you are welcome to join our service every Sunday morning at 1030. For more information, you can find us at facebook.com slash tbcswanriver. And if you would like to find more episodes of our podcast, go to anchor.fm slash templebaptistchurch or search on your favorite podcast app.